My name is Pastor Mike Landsman, and this is the podcast for Zion Stone United Church of Christ. This podcast is taken from my weekly Sunday morning sermons. I pray that as you listen to them, they will be a blessing to you and strengthen you in your walk with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here's what we have for today. But I was thinking about some of the cliches that we hold on to when bad things happen or after something really great happens to us and then something really bad happens to us. The things that we tell ourselves to try to make ourselves feel better, like this is my personal favorite. And it sounds good and I wish it were true. I wish it were true. Everything happens for a reason. Or this one. This no, no, this next one's actually my favorite. God never gives us anything more than we're able to handle. And I thought to myself, I wish that, that were true. I really do. But it's nowhere in Scripture. And we see in Scripture God routinely allowing people to go through trials that are greater for them to handle. And St. Paul even says, I prayed to the Lord three times that this would be removed from me. And God said, my grace is sufficient for you. And the reason why I say all of these things, brothers and sisters, is because sometimes in our desire to comfort and be comforted, we rely on Things that on the surface seem helpful, but don't actually offer us any anchor for our hope. Because our hope ultimately is in Christ. Our hope is ultimately in Christ. And things might seem monumental, momentous, whatever, impossible. We serve a God through whom all things are possible. I think as the book of Hebrews says, God gives life to the dead and calls things that be not as though they were. That be not as though they were. And we can't escape from this, this pattern. We can't escape it because God is trying to work something out in us. And sometimes when we talk about things, everything happening for a reason, maybe that might be true. And if it is, that doesn't mean that we'll get to know what that reason is. And so many people stay in that space. Why did this happen? And they try to figure it out and plan it out. And there's just some things on this side of eternal life we just will not know. But what we can be sure of is that God will be with us. That Christ is with us. And even in our weakest moments, his strength will be made perfect in us. Because as we're going to see today, God actually has a plan for all of us and for all things that he's working out in in every one of us. And that's what we're going to talk about today from the reading from the book of Ephesians. God's plan for everything and everyone. So in the text from Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 14, well, we should probably even start with verse 1, 1 through 14. Uh, The text opens with a doxology, praise to God. Blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. It acknowledges that God the Father has done something for us. 
God has done something for us. He has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ in the heavenly places. Now, we have to stop here again, just like we did last week. There are a lot of ministers and preachers out there who they will tell you out of a place of trying to help you that this text is a reference to prosperity and health and material goods. They'll say, God has blessed us. And since it's no good to be blessed in just a spiritual sense, this has to mean that God has to bless us in a material sense. Because for them, this really speaks to for them, what this text really speaks to isn't enough for them. And, and there's a tendency, brothers and sisters, for us to treat the blessings that we can't see, but we, that we have still somehow received from God. And in some cases, we're waiting to fully receive them from God. We see these as being complete because they don't seem to have an immediate impact on our immediate life and our immediate health. Does that make sense? You can say yes or no. That's okay. It's okay. We think just because we can't see the promises God has in a sense already given to us that we won't fully receive until the day of the Lord as if that's not enough because it doesn't put something in my pocket and it doesn't make my house expand and it doesn't make this cough I've been struggling with for two years go away. Because if it doesn't have an immediate physical material aspect to it, then this weightier spiritual aspect, what's the good if I can't have some of that now. St. John Chrysostom lays out for his congregation exactly what these blessings are and how extensive they actually are, even if we can't see them. He writes this, what do you yet lack? This is, this is incredible. This is in his homilies from Ephesians. He says, you are made immortal. You are made free. You are made a son. And when he says son here, he's not talking about just for men. There's a specific usage for the word son here, which we'll talk about in a second. You are made righteous. You are made a brother. You are made a fellow heir. You reign with Christ. You are glorified with Christ. All things are freely given to you. All things are freely given to you. Now, we might not see or have an experience of being made immortal right now. We might not even see or experience this being made free. We might not even experience being adopted as God's family and being made sons and daughters of God. We might not feel that we're righteous. We might not feel that we're an heir. We might not even feel that we reign with Christ. But we do. Just because we don't go home to a massive golden throne 
which before 24 elders cast their thrones down and bow down, just because we don't have an experience of that doesn't mean that we're not reigning with Christ. When I go and I sit down at my, my, my wooden chair at, at the dinner table, that doesn't mean because it's not a golden throne that I'm not somehow not reigning with Christ. We have these blessings. And here's the thing, brothers and sisters, about being blessed with all of these spiritual blessings in Christ is that we are waiting for their full, how do I say this? We have them now in part. We're waiting for these promises to be given to us in full. And they are coming, which is why we need to continue in the faith. As St. Paul says in, I think, Philippians, he says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. We have been blessed with these spiritual blessings in Christ. That means if we are not in Christ, then we do not have these blessings. If we are not in Christ, then we are not free. We are slaves to sin and to death. We are not sons We are prisoners. We are not righteous. We are unrighteous. We are not fellow heirs. We are servants. We don't reign with Christ. We suffer under demonic affliction. We will not be glorified with Christ at his glorious return, but will experience eternal death. All of these things are found only in and through Christ. So St. Paul then writes that we have been chosen by God. It says he chose us in him, in Christ, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy, holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace. So we see God has chosen us, he has predestined us, and he has adopted us. And all this is building up to something. Chosen to what? Well, to to salvation. Is this a reference to God choosing those who will be saved? And God choosing those who won't be saved? I'm not so sure. There there are Christian traditions that read that into this text. But the rest of the sentence reads what we have been chosen to be. And what God has chosen for us is to be holy and blameless. And before the foundation of the world, he chose us to become that. We have been predestined to become that. Now, Chrysostom notes that chosen means that God has ordered this for us before our birth. It doesn't necessarily mean that God decided and chose for you. He says that God has ordered it for all of us who have faith in Christ. In other words, the purpose that God creates the world is to do that for us. God creates the world to do that for us, right? To be holy, to be blameless, to be what he says in the first verse of Ephesians, where St. Paul says he calls them saints, he calls them holy ones. He then says we have been predestined. 
And because predestination can be a super tricky topic in Scripture, and I don't preach for an hour and a half like some other people may or may not do. I preach for about 20, 25 minutes, so I'm not going to get too deep into predestination this morning. But to be predestined or chosen isn't necessarily speaking about salvation or damnation, but that this has been foreordained or it has been arranged in advance for humanity to become sons of God. So to be a son of God is to be a holy one. It is to be one of the saints. And this being a saint or a holy one is a reference to what he says here at Ephesians, our coming glorification again in Christ. And our coming glorification happens at the glorious return of Christ. And then with redemption, St. Paul says, we have been redeemed by Christ's blood. And so to redeem something means that it has been purchased. You could, in the Old Testament, you could redeem a slave by purchasing their freedom. But it also means to cover or to atone for. And we see in the prophetic books like Isaiah that Yahweh, the God of Israel, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, he's called the Redeemer of Israel. And that doesn't just have implications for them then as a nation and being brought back from exile. That redemption is being redeemed from the spiritual forces of sin and death. That we have been purchased back. That Christ has purchased us. That Christ has atoned for us. That Christ has redeemed us. He has bought us back. Our sins have been covered, but not only covered, they have been washed away by the blood of Christ. St. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6.20, you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. You were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. Which means we have been redeemed from sin and death. And God has predestined us to be holy ones, to be sons and daughters of God, to be glorified in Christ. In light of all of that glorification that is to come, we are to live our lives right now, glorifying God in our bodies as best we can, by repenting when we sin. By putting to death the passions of the flesh that wage war in us. And this redemption forgives us from our sins. And this redemption and forgiveness is given to us as a gift. God's riches, God's grace is lavishly poured out upon those of us who are in Christ. And as a result, we honor God in our bodies by living lives, holy lives, and holy service to him. Again, redemption is in Christ. I cannot be any clearer than this. There is no redemption. There is no purchasing back. There is no defeat of sin and death through anyone but Christ. If anyone ever stands in this pulpit and tells you that the Paths to God are open and varied, and we're all going to the mountain by one particular way. I want you to take that person, and then after they're done, shake their hand, escort them out of the church after the service, and then lock the door and never invite them back. 
If anyone stands up here and preaches a different gospel, give them the right hand, or the left, what is it, the left hand of fellowship, the left, the left foot of fellowship, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm slightly joking here, okay? So please don't actually do that. It would be kind. But it is only, all of this is only available, and this is only given to us as a gift in Christ. There is no other way to God there is no other way for us to be freed from sin and death except through the blood of Christ. And that sounds very, very binary. That sounds very, very strict. And that sounds very, very unfair. And maybe it is, maybe it isn't. I don't know. And I'm not saying that God hasn't revealed himself through other religions. I'm not saying that other religions don't have anything good or anything true in them. But what's good and true in other religions is the early church fathers, like St. Justin Martyr will tell you, have the seed of the word. That what's good and what's true in other religions should then point you to who? Christ. To become a holy one, to be glorified, to be free from sin. And I don't know why I'm going over this over and over this morning, because it's not this severe in my notes, so I apologize. So maybe somebody's watching, I don't know, maybe one of you sitting, I don't know. Blame the Holy Spirit, I guess, okay. The plan. All of this is done in service to the plan making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ. Verse 10, as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. So this is the long game, right? This is the plan. This is what Christ, what God had hidden has now been revealed. And this plan is that all things In heaven and on earth, things above, things below, everything is united in Jesus Christ. The plan that God has set into motion from the beginning of time is starting to come to pass. And this plan, if anyone had known beforehand, St. Paul says that if Satan and the demons have known, they would have never crucified the Lord of glory. And this plan is to unite or to sum up all things in Jesus Christ. All things. St. John Chrysostom uses this, following the example of St. Paul, he uses this example of a house. And how part of the house was standing and part of the house was wrecked. So the part of the house that's wrecked, all the rubble and stuff, gets swept away and gets cleaned up. And then the other part of the house that was in ruin gets made up then into the house, the part of the house that was in good shape. And I think that's a really good example. Everything is being brought under, he says, the same head. And that head is Christ. That God has intended union between humanity and himself through Christ. 
that a close bond, <laughs> St. John Chrysostom says, has been effected, that, that one and all can be brought under one in the same head. And that's Jesus Christ. In him, St. Paul says, we have an inheritance. And that inheritance is that glorification. That inheritance is the laying aside of our mortal body and receiving immortality, laying aside corruption and becoming incorruptible. And this is all done again in Christ. And that unites us to Christ because... Again, like we've talked about many times in the past, that he is the pattern. That just as he was glorified at his resurrection, so too we will be glorified. And he says this. He says this here in today's, in today's reading in Ephesians. I mean, and this is kind of heavy stuff, brothers and sisters. Because for us, the Christian life has often been framed as if you're really sincere when you said a prayer when you were five, you are now a Christian. And it doesn't matter how you live your life. If something happens to you when you're 90, then you're in. You're good. That's not, that's not what... There's so much more to our faith. Our faith is so much deeper than just... This is how you get your foot in the door. Is that... We are all journeying to, as Christians, being united, everything in heaven and on earth, humanity, the spiritual world, everything is being united together again in Christ. And this is our inheritance. And St. Paul says here in verse 13 that we were sealed with the Holy Spirit. And if you think back a few weeks ago when we baptized Harbor and when we baptized Sophia and any other kid that's been baptized here, I lay my hands on them and I say, you have been sealed with the Holy Spirit and are marked as Christ's own temporarily. No, forever. The Holy Spirit is given to all of us. We are united with Christ where? Baptism, And the New Testament is full of examples of this. St. Paul says, those who have baptized into Christ have put on Christ. And that being sealed with the Holy Spirit, St. Paul says here in verse 14, is the guarantee of that inheritance. And then he says something interesting here. Until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Right, So in some sense, we have received this inheritance already. But in another sense, we are still waiting to acquire it. We're still waiting to acquire it, which requires on our part our continued faithfulness, our continued walking the path of Christ in faith and in love. And we should never fall into the trap. It's just because we don't see this yet. And just because we haven't had an immediate experience of it yet that we may feel or not feel. 
doesn't mean that God isn't working this out for us. And that this is something that's never going to happen. Because God is setting all things right in Christ. God is setting all things towards its appropriate purpose and its appropriate function. And this, brothers and sisters, is the definition of justice in the Bible. Is that everything is being restored to its proper order. And that all happens and that's all fulfilled again. Once it, maybe I should just title it. The title of this sermon was the plan. Maybe I should just title this sermon in Christ, parentheses, the plan, close parentheses. And this is not something that we can make happen on our own. This is something that God is bringing about as a gift of his glorious grace through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, to whom be all glory together with his Father and the Holy Spirit now and forever. Thanks for listening to the podcast for Zion Stone United Church of Christ. If you have a few minutes, I'd like to ask you to go to GoFundMe.com slash ZionStoneChurchRepairFund. Our bell tower is in need of some major renovation and repairs, and we could use whatever help you're able to give to us. If you'd like to find out more about us, check us out on our Facebook page, ZionStoneUCC, or on our website, ZionStoneUCC.com. Thanks again for listening. I pray that these sermons will continue to strengthen you in your walk with Jesus Christ, and may the blessings of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be with you.